Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. How's everybody doing today? Hey, reversal of Roe v. Wade this week. Thank the Lord for that. Yeah. You talk about worship. Man, that, that made my, what was that, Thursday? Thursday? Friday. Friday, yeah, Friday. made my Friday. Yes, I mean, it was just the waves of thought over. I mean, it kind of was expected, unexpected. You know, there was the leak here a month or so ago and kind of knew it was probably coming, but then it happened. We do want to thank Janet Porter for all of her effort. And then you're stand up, Janet, a minute. Yeah. You know, it's a sign. It's a sign of our times. Jesus told us to be aware of what happened during our times. And I'm telling you, it's a sign. I'm telling you, it's a reversal. I'm not saying that everything's going to be peachy from here on. There may be some summer, summer of difficulties here, but we are in an opportunity right now. Two, two prophetic words are given to me uh, right during service this morning. Um, and, and both of them were kind of in a similar context about the fulfilled promises of God. And I just want to declare to you that you, you stand on the promises of God, you believe in the promises of God, and then what do you do? You stand on the promises of God, you believe the promises of God, and then what do you do after that? You stand on the promises, you believe the promises. It says, I think it's in Philippians, it said, no, it's Ephesians, having, having done all, stand. So there's this sense from, you know, we've been standing on this a long time and nothing's happened, you know. There, it comes down right into your life. And I feel that is a, a massive, epic, ancient door that is just open. In the, in the 50th year, you know, 40, 49 years, 50 years, it almost feels like a jubilee, you know. And it's, it's something that God is, is opening. And I, I, I want to tell you, when things like that happen, don't, don't just be passive about it. Bring, reach into it and say, I receive the promises of God for our nation. I receive the promises of God for my neighborhood and my city. I receive the promises of God for my life. And, uh, and you, it's going to be a great time to receive that. So thank you, Janet. Thank you for everyone else who's worked over these past 49 years. As you know, your talking points, you can get them online. But, you know, people... I, I've had people tell me, you know, don't, don't be too excited about it. You know, you don't want to offend other people. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I mentioned this the other night at something. I don't know what. But when the Cavs won the NBA, can you imagine me going out in the street and saying, hey, you know, it's one off. May not happen again. Don't too, get too excited. We do not want to wound the Oakland Warriors. Uh, so they might hear about it. No, no, we're just rejoicing. We're excited about it. It's not about against somebody. We're excited that there's a fresh liberty that's coming in the United States. Uh, right down to the local level. And what it means is it doesn't, it doesn't eliminate abortion. Uh, but it does curtail it quite a bit. And it brings it down to the states so people can have a say in every state as to whether abortion will be permitted in their state and to what degree. And I think that's the, that's the way it should have been all along, but here it is. So I'll rejoice in that. Sorry. 
He's pretty happy about that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank the Lord. Man, he interrupted our worship. I was talking to worship team this week. That doesn't feel like the sinner, Rachel. I'm sorry. Right? Maybe there, yeah. Um, and uh, I love when the Lord just comes into our worship and begins to move, especially if you notice, Cindy and I talk about this all the time, there's certain songs you can pick that are seemingly heaven's favorite. I'm not going to say God's favorite. That, that'd be over, overstating it, but heaven's favorite. And there's songs that exalt Jesus Christ. You ever notice that? I mean, as old as I exalt thee is, what's that go back into the 70s or 80s? I don't know when it goes, but you can get in a crowd of four people eating barbecued chicken and sing that song and the Lord shows up. Sing majesty out of the early 80s. I mean, you know, just start going, majesty, worship. I mean, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. It's just like a lightning rod for the fire of heaven. It comes upon you. And that worthy song is just, I mean, it's what the angels have been singing for thousands and thousands of years. You are, you are joining in the symphony of heaven when you do that. So I love, I love all the music and I understand what it's for. There's songs of ascent, there's songs of preparation and bringing in sacrifice, declaring the testimony, all the, but we are working into a place of the holy of holies, inner courts of the Lord. And you know when you're there. And when you're there, you just worship the Lord. You know, I've been thinking a lot about worship lately and, and uh, uh, worship is really not just what we do on Sunday morning. Everybody knows that, right? I mean, it's, it's our reasonable service of worship when we lay down our lives for the Lord as a living sacrifice. And so when you pay for someone in the line behind you, stuff like that, it's, it's worship. It's, it has an incense that goes into heaven. Uh, I'm going to be preaching on this probably uh, later on in the year, so I don't want to take too much out of it. But I, I really want to be a church that realizes we're all worship leaders we're all worshipers, and we're all bringing the presence of God everywhere we go. And our lives are meant to be an offering unto the Lord of worship. So what you do, how you change your attitude, your actions, your habits, and everything else is a sweet fragrance unto the Lord. Look, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy. We're going to take up the uh, offering and do the announcements at the end today. Uh, because I'm in, a, I've just started a series two weeks ago on the Word of God, and uh, I want to go straight to the Word of God in the presence of the Lord that's been moving so sweetly during that that time of worship. There, Second Timothy chapter four, we're going to go to. If you want to get there, I want to talk about the Word of God. We're going to be in this for about two months, up until uh, somewhere in mid-August. I've got it laid out. And I want to talk about the Bible specifically. You know, we talk about the Word of God. And I want to talk about making the Bible airborne. Now, we're used to the term airborne, aren't we? COVID. You know, we all thought at first it might be airborne, and then we thought it was on surfaces. You know, and then we found out it is airborne. It's got little microscopic, you know, particles that go through your face mask. <laughs> and hits you smack dab in the nose and you normally actually abnormally breathing in because of the mask breathe in those particles into your body and you get COVID 
And so it's freaked us out for two years, you know. And so I was thinking about this the other day. I thought, what happens when the Bible goes airborne? The <laughs> Greek has two different words. Greek is what the Bible was, New Testament was written in. Greek has a couple different words for word. You know, we know the one logos or lagos, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And I've heard Greek scholars pronounce it both ways, so go figure. But lagos, logos, the word of God, it's technically the written word of God. It can kind of stretch out of that, but it is what God has written. And the written word has power. And I just want to, I want to, I want to read this little list here I got because it's kind of interesting uh, about the purpose of the word of God. It's a list I'm just going to rattle through real quick. It's the word to man, mankind. It divides spirit and soul. In other words, it's a little scalpel here. This thing can get into your heart and cut out that, that thought, that attitude, that feeling. It just moves right in there. So it, it, it divides spirit and soul. It works in those who believe. It's useful as a weapon. These all have scriptural attachments to them. We'll put them online or something. It's useful as a weapon. It brings you blessing. So that's cool. It's medicine to your flesh. Wow. Did you just reading the word of God in faith can be a healer in your life? So it's medicine to your flesh. It makes you wise. I could use it a little more. It gives you hope. It imparts joy. It gives comfort. It produces fruit. It stabilizes the believer. This is all right out of scripture. Stabilizes the believer. It's the lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It will profit us. It gives birth to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It will set you free. It opens your eyes. It's good for instruction and it is food. That's a lot of the little book. Makes me want to read it. Wow. I can almost feel the weight of it when I pick up my Bible, you know. So we're going to study this word, and we're going to see people get healed, get strengthened, get encouraged. They're going to slap that, that grimy, gritty, ugly, Cleveland-like attitude that settles on people. It's just going to slap it upside of the face. It says the word of God is a devouring flame. It's a crushing hammer. It's a life unifying force. It's a power to save lives. It is an offensive and defensive weapon. Jesus used it all the time. In fact, he used it, let's just say this. He quoted from 27 Old Testament books. Some people kind of poo-poo the Old Testament nowadays. Well, the Old Testament has in things in there like, you know, you don't shave your, your, your sideburns. They're kind of supposed to come down. We don't do that, so, you know, why do we get offended at people's lifestyles and things like that? We're not even doing what it says in Leviticus. We have all these things we say. But Jesus, Jesus, who I think, you know, knows what to do, he speaks and quotes out of 27 Old Testament books. And I was looking up, I Googled this, and Google did not even know this. <laughs> Google did not know how many verses Jesus quotes out of the Old Testament, but he quotes a lot of them. From the beginning to the end, he starts his ministry quoting 
out of Isaiah 61, reading out of Isaiah 61, and then says, uh, he basically says, it's about me. That's what I love about scripture. You could go through the scripture and even though it was about Gideon or it was about David or it was about Moses, or all of a sudden it becomes personal. When you read the word of God, it's living and active and you go, oh my Google, this is the word of God and it's, it's mine. I own this. And today it is a hammer. Boom, boom, not on other people. It's a hammer to put nails in, you know. It's just a hammer to break things open, that kind of hammer. It's a cutting tool. I got the sword of the Lord. Growing up in Sunday school, you know, we used to do uh, sword drills, right? Anyone remember those sword drills? Raise your hand. I just want to make sure I'm in the company of some ancient 1960s believers. It's a sword drill. So they swords in the air. All the kids would put their Bibles in the air. Little New Testament or something like that. And they would go, John 3.16. All of a sudden, all the kids would start looking for it, you know, and they'd quickly stand up and start to read the scripture. So they're popping up around the room reading the scripture. So we, we learned very early on, this is the sword of the Lord. And somehow that, that was very attractive to young boys. You ever notice young boys like swords? I mean, my little grandson Maxwell got out of his minivan the other day. No, it's actually a pilot, but let's call it a minivan. <laughs> it's, a, it's a 21st century version of a minivan. He gets out of there, the kids are pouring out. I'm coming up from the bottom of the driveway and all of a sudden this kid jumps out, five, year, five years old, five years old, jumps out of the car, my grandson, and he's got a sword in his hand going, ah! I thought that boy's gonna be a preacher someday. He understands the sword. But that sword is also used in moi, in my life. It's the thing that divides the things that are true and the things that are false. And if you're not in it and you're not under preaching, that's what I want to talk about these next few minutes, the power of the word being spoken and going viral all around the world. The power of the word of God that when you know it, you meditate on it, you speak it, it changes atmospheres. The word of the Lord. There's something cool about prophetic. I love the prophetic. When God gives you an understanding, a word. I had some this week, you know, these interesting moments where you realize, ah, God's in that. But I tell you, there's something very powerful when you get into the Bible and you're going through it and you feel your emotions shifting. This book has the power to remove things out of your life, to shift your understanding, to change your mind. People are saying things to one another in the church right now. The church down the street. This way, not here. They're saying, they're saying to one another things that are contrary to the word of God, but giving it forth as wisdom. And so you start reading it, you start reading the word of God, and you go, well, that is in the Bible. I mean, what, what I believe is what Pastor Steve said and what Jerry and Jay and all the rest of them say, it's, it is in the word of God. It is, it's a Bible thing. Wow. That, that I can actually change my environment, change my life. I love Tony Robbins, but he may not be the ultimate in. I can read scripture and all of a sudden, boom, my attitude is shifting. Boom, I'm feeling love in my marriage. The chemistry that I thought was long gone is now there. Boom, my depression is leaving. Boom. 
boom, this insecurity about who I am and where I'm going, boom, I understand I'm a man. Let me describe what a man is. They carry swords from childhood. <laughs> There's something about this, this toxic masculinity. I, there, there is men that need to cool down a little bit. But if you're a man, you understand it. There's something inside of us that is constantly looking either for something to fix, something to cure, or something to save. Got a couple men over there in this section over here. Watch out. Toxicity on the right. It's not toxic. They're made that way. Now you got to bring self-discipline uh, in. You got to bring control into it. But it's what you want in a man. I mean, I saw the other day uh, on YouTube. I study it all the time. Just kind of scan through. Oh, yeah, cool. Huh? Yeah, yeah, wow. <gasps> What happened there? And there was a man who was doing his laundry. And he had a baby gate. He had the door open in the backyard and a baby gate there, you know, so his baby didn't leave the house. And he's there and all of a sudden he hears a noise. He looks over there. It's all on YouTube. Don't look it up right now. What do you get home? And a, a bear, a black bear, comes jumping over the baby gate. That's one thing we learned about baby gates. They will not hold a black bear. Black bear jumps over to, and what's a guy do? A guy doesn't go, ah, oh, no. No, you know what the guy does? The guy runs toward the bear, grabs the bear, wrestles him, and the bear's biting him on the arm, on the shoulder. It throws him over the baby gate and closes the door. Comes back, finishes his laundry. I watched that and I thought, that's what I would do. <laughs> Maybe. I'll call my son Josh. Quick, get over here. That's what men do. And so there's, there's something that has been given in the core of humans that is meant to be strong, meant to be that savior kind of a rescuer type thing, you know, that it's, it's and, and women have their thing too. It just came to me about men, you know. And so Paul is writing to a man named Timothy and he writes this, and, and you know, I'm always interested in this because I'm interested, and I'm gonna go through this really quick. I got a bunch of verses I wanna, I wanna read just real quick. And I wanna talk about what happens when, when you move in the power of the word of God because you've hidden it in your heart. You begin to speak the word of God and basically preach the word of God, this is high on the list for Jesus Christ and for heaven itself. <clears throat> it's interesting to me when I read scripture, some of the things scripture doesn't say about a situation as much as what it does say. I'm not concerned so much about what it doesn't say, but it's interesting to look at it and say it shows the priorities of God. It shows the things that God, the parables, I love the parables because parables are tidbits, living examples of what God likes. You know, behold the sower. What's he sow? Seed. 
And in Jesus' time, it wasn't like my grandfather and I dropping three little seeds of corn into the ground, hoping one would survive and bring forth some fruit. It wasn't that. Man, when God sows seeds, it's He's got a bag right here. They're playing the odds. Some are going to fall on rough ground. That's what it sounds like when you throw it. Some falls on rough ground. Some falls on the wayside. Some falls over here and birds start consuming it. They especially grass seed, they do that. You throw it over there, you know, and it's falling all over. But some will fall on good soil and it'll produce 30, 60, 100 fold the disciples. This is why Jesus told the parables because the disciples, everything Jesus was saying, the disciples are like, sorry, get this up a little bit. The disciples are like, what are you talking about? I don't get the metaphor. I don't get the parable. What are you trying to say? And Jesus would say, so there, you know, he's just told this whole story, seed, seed, seed. And they're like, you know, usually he's into fishing stuff. What is he about seed now? Seed, seed, seed. I don't know anything about seed. I'm a fisherman. And he goes, uh, uh, they're probably one another. They're saying, what, what do you think the seed is? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's about where we're shopping or I don't know. It's, uh, Jesus says, the sower is the, is the father of the vineyard or father of the, the farm, and he is sowing the word of God. And so the picture is the word of God is to be so, shown, sown <laughs> in a crazy fashion. It's, it's not like little here, little there. Talked to someone in the store the other day, just mentioned a little thing, do a little thing. I'm, I'm dropping seeds in the ground. Woohoo, seeds. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Million little seeds. <laughs> yeah, one, two, three, four. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But in the Jesus world, it's like, whoo, whoo, whoo. You're speaking the word of God. Yeah, but what if they resist it? They're a bird. They capture the seed, they take it off. Hope you enjoy the seed. Eat it up. See what it does to your tummy. Little bird. Yeah, but what if it falls by the wayside? We should be careful not to put it on the No, no, the wayside needs seed. Needs seed. It's a prophetic reminder to the wayside that you need to soften up your soil. Well, how do you do that? Soil's your heart. So there's hard hearts, there's stony hearts, there's hearts with thorns. I forgot the thorny bush. And when it grows up, it looks like, oh, there's a Christian that's grown. Uh-oh. The thorn got around it. It's gonna choke the very life out of it. You say, man, this is discouraging for the Christian walk. If the bird didn't get you in the beginning, you know, later on the thorns are going to get you. That's why your heart needs to be broken before the Lord when your heart's open and the word's coming into it. Guess what? You know what I'm doing right now? I'm sowing seed. There's some stony ground in here. There's some thorny patches that are, that are emerging. You ever met someone who's a little bit thorny? Prickly? They're there. Seeds don't grow well over there. You can sow the word of God into that person. It's just like, yeah, man, the worries of the world. What was it? Worries of the world and was it riches? Oh, okay, good. Worries and cares of the world are, are equivalent to thorny bushes. 
Some of you are like, I think I'm a thorny bush today. Okay, well, let the word of God penetrate like a hammer and break open your heart. May it divide between good and evil. May it penetrate to the depths of your heart. Someone is listening to this right now that needs their heart broken open by the Holy Spirit and the oil of God pouring in their heart so they may receive the word of God. Because when they receive the word of God, when they attach it with faith, when they go, I think, I believe that, boom, miracles begin to break out. Did you know in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, there's, there's, there's a correlation. It's not perfect, but it's pretty high. Let's say 80%. 80% when there's, when there's miracles breaking out, preaching has just happened. The word of God has just been spoken and miracles begin to break out all over the place, everywhere they went. Whether the raising the dead, the time, I mean, all of it's happening because somewhere the word of God, even the woman at the well, she goes in there and said, he said all kinds of things about my life. And the people said, they, they went and said, where is this guy? They went and heard him. Jesus explained it to him. And the Bible clearly says, and they believed him because of the word that he spoke. The Bible says in the book of Acts that the word grew mightily. How does the word grow mightily? There's a contagion of the Bible, the word of God, that when it gets into people's hearts, it begins to expand because people see the effect of the word of God on a person's life, the effect on a married couple. Like the best counseling I can give you as a married couple, young married couple, is to build your life around Jesus Christ. I, had, I was gonna wear my shirt today. I picked my gather shirt. But uh, the, the one I had on, was a quote from Michael Koulianos a couple months ago when he was here. When he was in frustration, he was preaching and he says, he was talking about how we all kind of want to add Jesus to our lives, not realizing that he is our life. And he says, Jesus is not an avocado. And someone made a t-shirt and gave it to me. Jesus is not an avocado. And I thought, I understand that. Speaking my language. You don't just spread him over your life. We're just gonna spread a little bit of Jesus on there. Give me a little more of that, Jesus. We'll spread a little more over there. I might even go to church Sunday morning, spread a little more over here. He's not an avocado. He's the source of your existence and the source of your life. He's not a spoke on the wheel. Yeah, I got Jesus and I do a little yoga and I, you know, I get Tony Robbins and I, I listen to YouTube, you know, and I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with all these things, but he's not one of those. He's the hub of your life. He's the thing the spokes come off of. In fact, you're a spoke. You are a, you are a God spoke. He's the hub, you're the spoke, and you're moving along. You're rolling with Jesus. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter four says this. So what did he say? What did he tell this young pastor named Timothy? He says, Timothy, I charge you. We don't use that kind of words nowadays. You don't charge anybody. You approach people. You learn to speak the proper language. You learn what their love language is. Figure out what their personality traits are. What's that thing we all do now? The personality profile. Enneagram, yeah. You got another Enneagram. I'm a nine with an eight wing. <laughs> I'm a three with a four wing. I'm a seven with a two wing. That's impossible. 
You're not allowed to do that in Enneagram. Well, I'm that. I'm a fuselage with a wing over in the field, but we're going to get together. Okay. Paul doesn't do that. He says, I charge you there. This is like a spiritual son he's talking to. This is probably my only verse I'm going to share. So you better pay, pay close attention here. I charge you, I charge you right now. Pay attention. I charge you therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead? I love hearing people like, well, God doesn't judge. He's not judgmental. So I don't know that he's judgmental, but. He is the judge. Like everything is going to be judged by him one day. Your life is going to be judged. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't imagine him doing that. I just don't, the, my God's not like, my Jesus isn't like that. Well, your Jesus is a false God. Because the real Jesus actually judges. In fact, he is the merciful judge. Thank the Lord for that. So it says, who will judge the living and the dead? You don't hear a lot of preaching on that, but you will be. At his appearing and his kingdom. And here's what he says. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. <laughs> I could have fun about it with this, but I don't want to offend anyone. Oh, well, anyway, but because I'm leaving to go to Middleburg in a few minutes. But, <laughs> you know, he didn't tell it. These are the things he didn't tell him. What didn't he tell him? You need more training. Did you know that responding to the Lord, doing what the Lord's asked you to do, actually will equip you for where you're going? He, he functions on action, not being static. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm convinced he's waiting on us. You first. No, you. You. No, you. You. Some people spend their whole lives like that. I have friends that have been waiting on a word for 40 years. I golf with them and they tell me. Oh, well, so what are you doing about it? Oh, there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it. Just waiting on the Lord. And their dying breath may be, I waited. I waited on the Lord. Well, how disappointing it is if you get to heaven and he says, I was waiting on you. I gave you a word when you were 20. Yeah, but I didn't know if I should step out. Step out. Step out in it. That's called faith. You don't, want me, you don't want me to come along and spoon feed you through your whole life. I've given the word. I've given the spirit to you. You have everything you need to control Steve and to get him where he needs to be. The word of God, a lamp and a light unto your feet. Preach the word. And then he goes into detail about the preaching. I'm almost done because we've got to get the announcements in a minute. So hold on for that. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Oh man, I know what that's like. I'm a preacher. I've been asked to preach when I wasn't prepared to preach. One time in Toronto in front of 3,000 people, uh, I'm sitting in the front row as an attendee and uh, a key person, nationally known person that was gonna speak. I was excited. That's one of the reasons why I was there that night. His plane got delayed. He would not be there until 11 at night. So the guy running the conference leaned over to me and said, you ready to preach? And I look around and I'm thinking, no. <laughs> what are you, what am I gonna, they're expecting this guy. He's, he's kind of famous in our circles and 
But I got up there and I did a fair job. I got to tell you, I, I felt really bad about it afterwards, but I, I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I did, I did what you told me to do. It's not my problem. I, I got up there. I had no time to go, you know, do some Christian calisthenics in the back, you know, like, you know, for half an hour, you know, none of that. It was like, it was like, okay, you got 30 seconds to go up there. All right, going to be here tonight. Sorry, uh, our friend did not come here. What, what, who are you? I was out of season. I was hunting out of season. Preach the word, be in, ready in season, out of season. Uh, by the way, it doesn't happen to me anymore. I, I, I never get caught off guard. I'm always ready with something. So preach the word, be ready in season and out. Convince. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to convince you the word of God could change your life. Rebuke. Kind of did a little bit of that. So, okay, check, check. Exhort. I'm doing that right now. Read the word of God. Make it a part of your daily routine. Figure it out. Some people are built strong, look great, and I ask them, you know, how do you do that? Well, you gotta be in the gym, man. You gotta eat the right foods. Abs aren't made in the gym, they're made in the kitchen. You know, they got all these little sayings they say, and they walk around like this. Had a guy over working on my lawn the other day who's here today, he kind of looks like that, like that, you know? And I go, you know, what, what does it take? Well, you gotta do these things and that. It sounds like a lot of time, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, not, not the guys who are over there today, but some of these guys just say, well, how are you in the Word of God? You know, oh man, I'm so busy, I never get time to to look into the Word of God. I mean, I, I come and I listen to your sermon. Actually, you know, I hang with some guys in the lobby and drink some coffee, but, but uh, I hear some of it out there coming through the uh, speakers. But anyway, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and teaching for the time will come. Wonder when it's gonna be. What's it gonna be like? The time that will come. When the time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, I'm glad that's not happening. <laughs> YouTube is, is like full of it. Sound doctrine. But according to their own desires. This is the way I see life. This is the way I see. God is kind of like this. God's like that. It's hilarious. We, we're really creating idols. We create God in our image. He likes spaghetti. We do. You know, I like anchovies. God likes anchovies. You don't know what God, I'm convinced that if God actually showed up in a service full bore, bodily form, let's say Jesus walked in the room, we, we would, <laughs> we'd probably all be laying on the floor, right? I mean, the glory of God. And it's not because Jesus did it. I mean, when Jesus said, I am he, to the soldiers that came that took him away, that's all he said. He didn't say, hold on a second. <laughs> And the soldiers fell over. He just said, they asked him a question, are you the one we're seeking? I am he. They all fell down on the ground. And you see Jesus just going over there like, I'm sorry guys, come on, let me get you up here. You know, getting them up. And they fell forward, by the way. So they were overwhelmed by the presence of God. So there's something, there's something about, for the time will come, sound doctrine according to their own desires because they have itching ears, they will heap, heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That is right now. But you, Steve-O, be watchful in all things. Okay. What do we do when preaching? The word of God. 
becomes airborne. Let's all stand up for a minute. And then we're going to get our announcements. We're going to sit back down and get our announcements real quick. Uh, Jay or somebody's going to come up here and finish this up. God bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for reversing Roe v. Wade. And may it, may it be the beginning of the restoring of a beautiful country that is far from perfect, but generally speaking, has the, the leaven of heaven sown into it. And we need to be responsible for what God wants to do in and through this nation. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.